this is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is These Walls Are Thin. I hope you guys are having a beautiful Monday. It is gorgeous outside, y'all. It's freezing, but it's gorgeous. And no, we did not get our snow. Now, I mean, you know, that's a lie. I did feel some snowflakes, but it wasn't like heavy like it is in North Carolina and South Carolina and Virginia. But other than that, I mean, it's been pretty beautiful. I mean, Mr. Sun decided to come out. It's is nice and it feels like winter. So I hope you guys had a lovely weekend. I will say I did, it was peaceful. Um, Y'all know I'm on lockdown. Mm-hmm. I'm not in jail, but I kind of locked myself down because we had a scare. So I kind of like, you know, I'm not really going anywhere right now. Um. But I've been enjoying myself. Uh, I've been doing a lot of soul searching. I've been doing a lot of manifesting and understanding. Y'all know this weekend was uh, 2 to 2020, 2022. Um, and guess what? The whole month of February is going to be full of manifestation portals for you to manifest the life you want, manifest the life you want, you need, manifest the things that's to come. Because understand, that everything is temporary. It seems like it's forever, but it's just temporary. Trust me. So I hope you guys are having a lovely weekend. Um, I'm 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 very aware that some people did not have an amazing weekend. Um, so I'm gonna talk about what I woke up to on Saturday morning. So, um, Saturday morning, I was looking, I always like, when I wake up, I always look at my Instagram account on my phone or my tablet. Um, and I w- woke up and I saw Regina King giving a speech about her son. And I was like, I didn't know she had a son. Well... I didn't understand why a lot of people had her talk, having a speech talking about her son until I realized they were talking about her son and that he had passed on. Um, I don't know what he, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know the confirmation. And I don't want to say what he passed away from because I know certain outlets are saying one thing and I don't want to say it because I don't want to be a uh, Taja K right now. Um, but I want to give out, I want to give my heart, my heart and my thoughts and prayers out to um, Regina King for losing her son. Um, I don't know what's going on in this climate, but this climate has caused a lot of people to be very depressed and to have a lot of anxiety. Um, and it's just always good to have someone to talk to, somebody to be there for you and to be by your side. It's not easy. Um, so I, I want to say my heart goes out to Regina King. Um, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. I also want to go, um, and say this, y'all know I talk shit about this guy all the time. Me and him are low key beefing. It's a wopsided ass beef, but, um, it broke my heart. Cause he had a picture of himself crying. I don't like seeing men cry. Um, and it hurt my feelings. Um, I want to shout out to y'all know I met Orion in 2020. 
Um, it's so crazy because it's like I never met none of these celebrities before the lockdown. And then the lockdown happened and all of a sudden I'm able to talk to some of these celebrities. I, I want to give a shout out to Orion. I want to give a shout out to Amorian. I want to give a shout out to Kamani. Um, they lost their grandmother over the weekend as well. Um, it devastated me to see him devastated, you know. So I, I, I want to show my love. You know, I know I joke on here and say we're beefing and stuff like that. But I, I do have respect and love for, for Amorian. And I don't like seeing him hurt. And um, my prayers go to his family and in this time of bereavement. So there's been some hard things happening. Um, I want to also, um, she might be mad at me right now. And that's fine because I kind of put somebody's business out there when I was over here talking about what was going on. Um, I want to give a shout out to Nisi. I know she's having a difficult time right now. Um, I can imagine what she's going through. It, it hurts my heart that it's happened to her because the hardest thing in life is to lose your parent. I mean, losing your child is the hardest thing in life too. So there's a lot of people this weekend who lost the hardest thing, you know, lost something that was really close and dear to them. Um, and she lost her mother. So I, my heart goes out to you in this time of bereavement. And I'm hoping you are able to mourn properly and, and healthily, um, the, I want to, I don't want this podcast to be about that, but it's very important how you mourn, um, as someone who lost people, um, last year recently, we lost a family member, um, she, she passed on and, um, it never gets easy. It always seems to get hard, but make sure you are, are, are able to do it in a healthy way. Cause a lot of times, um, mourning leads to other things. It can trigger other things. Um, one thing I did a lot when I was mourning was I overate. Um, which was weird. Well, I, well, I overate and then I didn't, I stopped eating. It caused me to lose weight. I know y'all know, if you know me personally, um, you know Tiffany personally, you know um, I'm a heavy set girl, so I could lose some weight, but um, it was not weight from anything good. It was weight from all the mourning and, and the things that happened. It happened back to back for my family. Um, so my heart goes out to anybody. I know they're, these are just the only people that I know and heard of that have lost someone. But to anybody out there who have lost somebody, my condolences there, my, my condolences goes out to you and for losing a family member. And I'm hoping you were able to grieve properly and healthily. And you grieve, grieve the way you want because this person means something to you. It doesn't matter what people tell you. You grieve the way you want. Everybody else don't matter. This is your loved one. This is your family. You grieve the way you want. So you want to be mad. You want to be sad. And you want to cry. Let it out. It's very important to let out how you feel. Because you don't want to bottle it up and it makes you sick. Trust me. There's a lot of people with high blood pressure, hypertension, 
and all kinds of ailments, heart disease, because they bottle things up. Don't bottle it up. Just let it out. If you have to talk to a friend, talk to a friend. You have to talk to your pastor, talk to your pastor, talk to anybody just to make sure you get out properly how you feel about this loss in your life. And don't let nobody tell you how to grieve, especially if they don't know how you feel at this moment. So I just want to get that off my chest. Um, it's not easy to lose close family members. But it's always, always make sure you, if you, when you, when you are in a dark place, you find somebody you're close to, 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 to help you when you're in a dark place. Um, everybody talk about getting out of a dark place. Sometimes you need to stay in a dark place, but you need people there so it won't get any darker. So y'all grieve how y'all want to grieve. It's tough losing a child. It's tough losing your parents. And it's tough losing your grandparents. So my heart goes out to, to all you guys today. Um, outside, <coughs> I kid you not. I was not coughing. I was doing fine. I was watching Insecure. Yes, y'all know. I've been watching Insecure recently. Um, and Insecure has brought up a lot of things, especially um, friendships. Issa and Molly has hit a growing pain. And so I'm on season four. I know that the show has ended, but I never really watch it because I don't watch cable. I don't have cable. And the plan is to not have cable. Cause uh, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. So I've been watching Insecure and it's bringing up some very interesting themes. It's bringing up some hard life topics. Adulting is not easy because you find yourself in pickles a lot. Um, so with that being said, uh, I've been watching Insecure over the weekend and I did I did a post based off of Insecure about. How sometimes, you know, you just don't want to deal with that person or you don't want to be around that person or or, or it is what it is. Um, I'm on I'm on season four episode. I just finished episode eight. And is that's with um Molly on vacation with her boyfriend. And she came into an issue where, you know, the lady asked her for her key card. And she felt some kind of way because she was like, you know, she didn't ask the white people for the key card. And then, you know, Molly got to, to the point to where she was like, okay, well, maybe I have been overreacting to some things. Um, I know y'all going to say, to say, well, have you been overreacting? No. I should have been reacting like this. Like I said, you don't tell people how they should feel and how they should handle things. As long as they don't do it illegally, make sure they handle it legally. Okay. Um, I decided to also, because y'all know my masculine side loves mob movies. I don't know why. It started with the Goodfellas. I love Goodfellas. Um, so I watched a movie, it's about the Irish mob. I we, I started watching the movie The Departed. Y'all know that movie's like two hours, so I'm breaking it down into pieces. And I finished Harry Potter, The Half-Blooded Prince. So 
that's what I've been doing over the weekend. But speaking of not dealing with things emotionally in a, a legal, emotional way, today's topic is going to be about that, about somebody who is emotionally disturbed. And I know people are going to be like, no, he's not. Yes, he is. This man's a genius, but a lot of times geniuses are emotionally disturbed. <clears throat> it seems you entertain the entertainment industry love fucked up people. Or love fucking up people, whichever way you see it. Okay, um, but today we're going to talk about somebody who did not express themselves in a proper manner and, 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 and express himself in a proper way. We're going to be talking about the R. Kelly series, R. Kelly's trial, not the trial, but we're going to start off about the tipping point of where it, what caused it to happen, which is the sex tape. And then we're going to go into the trial and then we are going to talk about. The last two women he allegedly was with. So we're going to be talking about R. Kelly today. I hope you guys are ready. Because this is going to be a whole week situation. Yes, yes. And it's crazy because we're going to go into talking about a musical genius downfall. And we're going to go and we're going to leave out january and go into black history month to where i talk about other black geniuses and inventors so i hope you guys um enjoy this podcast y'all know i gotta talk about uh besides what i already told y'all about this that happened over the weekend we're gonna be talking about other things that happened over the weekend um So things that caught my eye, I want to talk about the first thing that caught my eye is the Georgia pastor and wife uh, watching the movie and deciding that they want to do the same thing. I don't know if you guys have watched Tyler Perry's A Fall From Grace. It's on Netflix. Go check it out just to get my reference if you don't understand my reference. But Tyler Perry directed a movie called A Fall From Grace and it's... Um, and the lead character is Crystal Fox. And she's sitting there and she's talking to um, her attorney about what happened. Okay, she's accused of murder. She's accused of murdering her husband. But it becomes a twist. And the twist is similar to this situation with these, uh, once again, emotionally disturbed people who have issues, but they are not uh, dealing with it in the proper manner. Um, so we're gonna talk about this, honey, girl. I found this on BallerAlert.com, and it says, a Georgia pastor and his wife held disabled people in their basement against their will. This is contributed by the fine Arthur. And it says, a Georgia pastor and his wife have been charged with false imprisonment after eight people were discovered locked in their basement. The people were rescued when Griffin fired the respond responded to the home of Pastor Curtis Keith Bankston and Sophie Sophia Sim. Bankston, 
about someone having a seizure. Once there, they discovered a deadbolt on the basement door and they could not reach the patient. The emergency personnel had to climb through a window to render aid to the person. That is when they found multiple people locked in the basement, all of which had mental and physical disabilities. Police learned that the Bankstons controlled the people's finances and public benefits while operating as a group home and collaborate in collaboration with the One Step of Faith Second Chance Church. The couple could even deny the victims their medications at times. The victims range in age from 25 to 65. They had all been placed into housing by Georgia Department of Human Services. Five of them are wards of the state. Words of the state, just in case you don't know, and you're underage and you listen to my podcast, meaning that they were put up for adoption and never got adopted. The couples rented the property for 14 months and used the basement as a nursing home that residents couldn't escape from. Dexter, Dexter Wimbish, Pastor Bankston attorney, said in a statement that none of the People were being held against their will. He claimed the couple's ministry was not operating as a group home, but was providing room and board to those in need, doing what God commanded us to do. I hate when people do that. I hate when people say that when you pull God into your devilish shit. Wimbish also claimed that the patient had conservators handling their finances who paid money directly to the church for room and board. He said the Bankstons fed them three times a day. The Bankstons have been charged with false imprisonment, Though additional charges are expected. There's a special place for people like this. They call it H-E double hockey sticks. The same place that you claim you saving people from. You going right there. Next story that I want to talk about. um, About police detaining a nine-year-old and others for not being vaccinated. Okay, I found this on itsonsite.com. This contributor is Shady Porter. It says police detained nine-year-old arrest five for entering a New York museum without vaccine. I did not know there was a rule about that. Cops in NYC were heckled as they detained a group of six unvaccinated people trying to enter the Natural History Museum, including a crying nine-year-old. This happened Wednesday. Excuse me. The group was reportedly part of the New York Freedom Rally, which had been protesting vaccination mandates in the city. The little girl named Jada was there with her mother, who was arrested. Video showed two cops walking her out of the museum as she sobbed, and people tell them the they them they traumatized her. Reports say she went to the precinct while her mother was booked, and they both left two hours later. They were with infamous protester Mitchell Bosch, who allegedly laid on the floor of the museum and told staff, I'll take on all of you. You have to drag me out or you call the police. Museum policy require everyone over five years of age to show proof of vaccination to enter. Y'all getting ridiculous with this vaccine. I mean, there's other sicknesses out there that people still get even though they get vaccinated, okay? And like I said, I already told y'all, I don't understand, especially with people who were born in my age, born in the same decade as me. We've been vaccinated since birth, okay? The last time I was vaccinated, I haven't been vaccinated as an adult. 
And I don't understand why they're making such a big deal about the vaccine. I don't understand this. Now, I know you're going to be like, I know you're not talking. You got sick. I understand I was in the house and I have always obeyed COVID protocols. I wash my hand. I mask up. And I don't go many places. So I don't understand why they're taking such extreme with this vaccine. Why with this one? Next story. I don't know if y'all been keeping up with this case. About Lauren Smith Fields. Um, Lauren Smith Fields is a young lady that went on a bumble date with the older white man and she was found dead. Um this story comes from Baller Alert. I got two stories, one from Ball Alert and one um, where the family, they were talking to the family about how they're highly disappointed in not finding who had murdered their daughter. Um, the family of a black woman found dead. I don't know why I say black woman like she don't have a name. Um, after Bumble dated with older white man files lawsuit against Connecticut police over alleged mishandling of investigation. This blog was contributed by Raquel Harris, and it says the family of a woman who was founded at the Bumble date has filed a lawsuit against police in Connecticut over her death. On December 12, 23-year-old Lauren Smithfields was found dead in her bed following the first Bumble date with an older white man named Matthew LaFontaine. Or LaFontaine. LaFontaine. Or LaFontaine. It's probably LaFontaine. Y'all know what it is. The morning after the day, Lafontaine woke up next to Smithfields and called the police when he saw said when he saw she had blood coming from her nose and was unresponsive. During his conversation with the police, Lafontaine claimed Smithfields exhibited strange behavior during their date. He said the young woman threw up and at one point during the event went outside to talk to her brother for several minutes. According to a police report, LaFontaine told an officer he found Smithfield's actions to be odd but didn't say anything to her because he felt he didn't have the right. Bullshit. Since the incident, the Bridgeport Police Department has reportedly never taken Fontaine into custody. They never subjected him to questioning despite him being the last person to see Smithfield alive. Yeah, he has, he has money. Even his last name says he has money, boo. And it wasn't until a month after her death when the case went viral on social media that the department decided to launch an investigation. Now Smithfield's family say the department mishandled the woman's death and say certain details from their report don't add up. Smithfield's brother, Lakeem Jetter, said his sister did not appear drunk when he saw her. Jetter said when he came to pick up a basket of clothes from her, he didn't know that anybody was in there. She came out and she was out there for like 10 to 15 minutes and she walked back into the house. She looked normal. She didn't look sick. She didn't look tired. She didn't look drunk. I'm her second older brother. So basically the brother saying that she wasn't all these things. Like I said, that last name screams money. 
We're going to be talking about this next disturbing case. Do I have it? One minute. I don't know if I kept the case or not, but I know it's on here somewhere. But I want to make alert. Um, it was a 16-year-old girl that shot her mother because she wouldn't give her her crystal meth, basically. Um, when I find it, I will report it to you, but I cannot find it right now. Next story is um, if you're a homeowner in Georgia, you need to be very careful extremely careful i found this story on ballalert.com its contributor is honey grip and it says a georgia woman warning others after scammers steal her deed and get home torn down it said an Atlanta woman is sharing her story she wants to warn homeowners after she said someone stole her deed and tore her home down linda willis claimed she had no idea had happened until her home was torn down Willis told WSB-TV investigative re reporter Ashley Lincoln that scammers targeted her home in Old Fourth Ward because of its prime location on Ralph McGill Boulevard. This is a historical area. This is why you would buy you would buy over here, Willis told the outlet. Willis said she purchased the home in 1990 and tended to spend the rest of her life living there. So to give you an idea, this lady had this home for 32 years. The reason I know this, I was born in 1990. So she's had this home for 32 years. This is a sad day after 30 years of paying a mortgage. It has become a dangerous to be a senior and own gentrified urban property, she explained. Was described a day last November when she arrived home to find a bulldozer tearing down her home. I went to the crime operator and said, who gave you permission to tear down my property? She recalled. Y'all know what happened. So you have to be careful. Um, there's people out there scamming. I also got a text message about that. And I will talk about that and later. This next story is about a teen getting 14 years for stabbing, um, uh, a Bernard student, Tessa Majors. Um, this story it's on ball alert, and it was um, the contributor is Honey Grip. It says the teen convicted of stabbing 20-year-old Bernard student Tessa Majors to death in 2019 has been sentenced to 14 years in prison. Rashawn Reba was 14 years old when he and two middle school pals, Luciano Lewis and Zaire Davis, who were 14 and 13, killed a college freshman during the botched robbery attempt in Morningside Park. Court documents revealed that Reba was the first to attack the woman after she passed the kids in the park. Major was reportedly caught completely off guard and attacked, staring down at her phone when Weaver ran up behind her and kicked her hard in the back. Major, who had a dream of becoming a singer, reportedly found fought her attacker and they tried to steal her iPhone. During a victim impact statement, her parents talked about how their, her daughter had saved up three years worth of songs that she written on the device and was planning to record music 
shortly before she was killed. Luciano Lewis reportedly put Majors in a headlock as we were repeatedly stabbed her, piercing through her heart. Who are... Uh, I don't even want to talk about that. I, I just... <sighs> Who is raising these kids? And what was that for? All just because you wanted what she had? Like, come on, y'all. Next story. Y'all over here acting like <laughs> there's no other sicknesses going on. You're acting like COVID is the end all be all. So, um, the senile spoke. Howard Stern, who, to me, he has always been questionable. So, for him to sit up here and try to take the high road on something is beyond me. <laughs> like, dude, you had porn stars on your freaking radio show doing ungodly things. But for you to take the high road and to be like, you know, judging people who don't want to be vaccinated, whatever. So Howard Stern thinks hospitals shouldn't admit COVID-19 anti-vax patients. And he basically said, go home and die. So, I mean, I guess you want to say this to other people who have terminal illnesses too. Like, you know... The, the hospital is for sick people. So I don't understand why are you against people who are sick? The hospital is for sick people who need to get better. But let's be straight up honest. The hospital don't really do what the hospital is supposed to be doing. Okay. The hospital hasn't been hospitaling ever since. It's almost like the hospital has been helping you die lately. I don't, I'm not going to talk about what he said. Y'all check on y'all grandparents and make sure they don't, they're not able to get to anybody to talk shit. Um, next story. This is sad. I didn't, I haven't even heard the story, but this happens so often to where it's like an everyday thing and we need to stop making this and normalizing this. Um, so I found this on Baller, um, and, um, it's good to know that people were charging this, but I'm trying to figure out how did this happen to this child. Um, three Pennsylvania officers charged in a fatal shooting of eight-year-old. This was blocked by Raquel Rich. Well, about Bucket Raquel Harris. I don't know why I'm thinking about Raquel Welch for a minute. Anyway, um, three Pennsylvania officers have been charged in a fatal shooting of an eight-year-old girl at a high school football game. Yes, they were running in with guns at underage kids' game. <sighs> Three Sharon Hill police officers, Devin Smith, Sean Dolan, and Brian Devaney, have officially been charged for failing shooting eight-year-old Fantability on August 27th. Isn't that something? She was fatally shot on August 27th. Just guess what day Emmett Till was brutally murdered. 
August 28th. We just finished talking about that, how they don't see our children as children. According to the ABC News, Ability's sister and two others were injured. In a statement, the district attorney office announced that officers are now facing a total of 12 crim criminal counts of manslaughter and reckless endangerment. For their actions that night, the girl's death, which happened less than a week after the incident, likely occurred after one of the officers returned five fire following a gunfight between two teens' prelim preliminary findings suggested. Two gunshots were fired in the direction of the officer, who at the time were overseeing the crowd of the game. The officer then took out their game guns and shot toward the football field. So, this was in retaliation, but nobody saw the eight-year-old girl. Keep her name in your mind and your heart's fantability. Once again, we overuse our time <laughs> uh, talking about what's going on in the news. Um, that last one just really made me feel some kind of way. But we're not going to go there. So... That concludes today's news on what happened over the weekend and probably some of that happened last week. I saved some of that from last week because I wanted to fully focus on Emmett Till and Barry Washington Jr. Today, this week, we're going to be focusing on the R. Kelly case. So I have to give a thousand disclaimers. I do not condone anything that R. Kelly did. Okay. And it's kind of hard um, to talk about this because I do admire his work. But I do not condone anything he has done to any of these young ladies or young men who are being victimized by him. This is a very disturbing case. But like I said, um, he's a very disturbed man. So... When you're dealing with a disturbing case and a disturbing person, you kind of have to see things for what it is. Um, but I'm going to do a little preaching for a minute because the issue is, is that you decided after you had evidence that you've been holding on to for 19 years. And decide to prosecute him, I would never understand. 
But understand this whole situation started way before the 2003 sex tape, which I am going to advise you to not watch because there is an underage child in it. If you watch that tape, you will go to jail. You will go straight to jail for watching that sex tape. But I'm going to talk about the sex tape that caused the 2003 investigation. So this case is disturbing, but it is calculated. All things are calculated. And I believe, I don't believe, I, I, I believe, I don't believe he's the only one out there doing dirty stuff. Um, there's several people who are power, have power, who have been doing dirty things. Um, it's like right now, y'all bring up what Trey Songs has been doing and Kiki Palmer was the first person to come out and tell y'all that Trey Songs is fucked up in the head. And a lot of y'all don't want to believe it. There's nothing that's going to be done. But when he does not have all his money, and sure enough, he's not going to have all his money because I'm pretty sure he's ignorant in some way. That is when y'all going to start prosecuting him. And that's what basically happened with R. Kelly. They knew this man was doing this sick shit. They just wait until you don't have the money to pay off the people anymore. And when you stop paying off people to be quiet... That's when people start singing like a canary. So we are going to be talking about the introduction of, we're going to be talking about um, the R. Kelly case. We're going to be talking about what caused the investigations, but I'm going to talk about things that happened before the sex tape as well. So I want y'all to sit back and relax. I don't expect you to ingest any form of food. Um, this is disgusting. And, um, but I suggest you hydrate always hydrate. I was hydrating myself. And so I end up with the crispy lips. So I suggest everybody hydrate, um, get you some water, get you some hot chocolate, get you some tea, sit back and relax. We're going to be talking about the R Kelly case in great details. Um, so I want y'all to relax. I want y'all to chill out. I'm going to start this podcast talking about what I know, and then I'm going to read articles about this case, okay? Now, if what I know is wrong, it's allegations, but now we know they're not allegations, that is true. <clears throat> um... I'm going to talk about 2003 because this is the year he they found out that he was a pedophile, which is weird because this is also the same year that he unleashed an album called The Chocolate Factory. Yes, he came out with an album called The Chocolate Factory. Um, which is disturbing now that you see what he was doing. Um, during the time he released the album, The Chocolate Factory. He was investigated. Um, there was, well, he wasn't, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here, sorry. 
Um, but it he um before well during the year he dropped the album The Chocolate Factory, which of course every album that he has is a masterpiece because it's written and produced by him. He um there was a sex tape that came out. This is the beginning era of sex tape. There was no Twitter just to shock the kitties. We didn't have any Twitter. Um, it basically happened on uh well, it was on the internet. I don't know where it was released. I didn't know it was released. I'm gonna keep y'all in mind that this was 2003. So I was 13. Um, I've never watched a sex tape, so low-key what I'm saying is hearsay. It's just from people who have seen the sex tape. So, um, but if you watch that tape, you will be tried as a sex offender. So there was a sex tape that leaked to the internet in 2003. And basically it was R. Kelly in the studio with an underage girl. Doing some unpleasant things to the, the girl. He was basically relieving himself on the girl. Um, and the only reason I know that is because of Dave Chappelle show. So, um, like I said, I didn't watch the, the sex tape. I didn't look at it. Um, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. If you do watch it, you will be tried as a sex offender for watching that tape because there's an underage child. So you can't say, well, lady Tiffany, she said that, um, no, I'm warning you, you will go to prison because there's a 13, 14 year old girl in a tape and I'm pretty sure it's confiscated by the government but yeah he's basically relieving himself on this child and doing some other things I don't know I don't know exactly what he was doing everybody talked about it of course, like I said, Dave Chappelle parodied it. And comedians made jokes about, well, you know who like going to, uh, you know who like going to chocolate factories, little girl. I forgot what comedian said that, who like going to chocolate factories, little girls. But it is kind of crazy that he would name his album The Chocolate Factory. Not The Liquor Factory, where you know the only people 21 and up could go to. <clears throat> not the weed factory the chocolate factory so we're going to be talking about I'm telling you what led to his 2003 investigation we're going to talk about the investigation what happened when it happened how it happened and why it happened okay So I want y'all to sit back and relax, get you something to drink, enjoy the story.
And this whole article probably will cover the whole thing. So, yeah. Matter of fact, this whole article will tell you some things about what happened earlier. Okay? Oh, this article actually goes into his childhood. Okay? So, um, this is from Independent... This is from independent.co.uk. This article was written on August 18, 2021. That was a trial, and that's when he was sentenced to prison um, last year. And it says, R. Kelly has faced long, long allegations of lurid sexual behavior and abuse, and some of which have been made public through documentaries and court documents. So... It says R. Kelly is, yeah, it says the R&B singer is once again heading to court this time for a federal trial in New York stemming from years of sexual abuse allegation. He denies the allegations against him. So here's a timeline of R. Kelly's life from his early days in Chicago through his rise and fall as an R&B artist. So y'all, of course, know that he was born January 8th, 1967, Robert Sylvester Kelly. Um, he began his career singing in church at the age of eight in 1975. In 1979, at the age of 12, Kelly said he experienced a lot of things at a very young age that I don't know if it was supposed to, to including witnessing older youth rape one of his girlfriends. At 1983, at the age of 16, his mother moved the family from the projects and enrolled him at the prestigious Kenwood Academy, a Chicago public school. In 1985, at the age of 17, his music teacher places him in a total talent show to perform a version of The Ribbon in the Sky, a Stevie Wonder song. That night, it was like Spider-Man being bit. He said he discovered the power to get from being on stage. He told Newsweek in 1995, in the year that followed, he performed in Chicago subway station full-time with his Casio keyboard, Often pretending he was blind to avoid a wet rest. In 1990, R. Kelly R&B group MGM wins a $100,000 grand prize on the syndicated television talent show Big Break, hosted by Natalie Cole. Because of money disagreement, this is the last time the group performed. Music executive Wayne Williams of Jive Records discovered R. Kelly singing at a barbecue that summer. January 1992, R. Kelly in public announcement Debut, Born Into the 90s, released a year later, the album goes platinum. November 3rd, November 1993, sorry. His album, 12 Play, is released and eventually sells to more than 5 million copies. Hit singles include Sex Me and Bump and Grind, which began the longest run number one R&B song in more than 30 years. August 31st, at the age of 27, R. Kelly marries 15-year-old R&B singer Aaliyah D. Houghton. The couple weds in a secret ceremony arranged by Kelly at a hotel in Chicago. The marriage is alone months later because of Aaliyah's age. Let's stop right there. Oh, meanie. Okay. Um, just, just to let you guys know, there has always been rumors that R. Kelly and Aaliyah were married and were together. Aaliyah's not alive to defend herself. 
R. Kelly is. Um, this article says that they did get married, but he had to annul the marriage because she was underage. And there is public documents saying that she was married to him as an underage girl. Everybody, nobody knew this stuff until after, unfortunately, the passing of Aaliyah. Um, during the time that when Aaliyah first came out, which was in like 1994, I was like four years old. So back then I was not paying attention to what's going on because I was four. But if you look at old interviews back in the day with him and Aaliyah, you do see that there is more than a friendship or a mentor-mentee relationship between the two. This part of the story has been controversial because it came out after Aaliyah had passed. <clears throat> but it was well known. And people have always said that this was going on. Keep this in mind. This was 1994. It is 2022. He finally gets indicted and in prison in 2021. Okay. So he's been doing this for years. And just now they're taking action against this. Let's continue this crime. Um, this not this crime. Let's continue this. Okay. It says September 1994, um, Aaliyah debut album, Age Ain't None But Number, which Kelly produced, is certified platinum. Aaliyah passed away. Y'all know she passed away seven years later, which was 2001, at the age of 22. Her first album was Age Ain't None But Number. November 1996, R. Kelly released his third album. A month later, he incorporated Rockland Records. His song, I Believe I Can Fly, from the Space Jam soundtrack peak at number two. On the Billboard pop chart the same year, he marries 22-year-old Andrea Lee. Y'all know who she is. Her name is you know, Andrea Kelly, a dancer from his tour troupe. The couple goes on to have three children, Joanne, Jaya, and Robert Jr., February 18th, 1997, Tiffany Calkins files a complaint against R. Kelly, allegedly intentional sexual battery and sexual harassment, which she was a minor. January 1998, Hawkins' lawsuit is reportedly settled for $250,000. That's because he had it, and so nobody pressed charges at the time because they were able to pay her off. Okay. February 1998, Kelly wins three Grammys for I Believe I Can Fly. If you are a 90s kid, this was sung at every graduation, every funeral, every birthday party. It was the song of that decade. November 1998, his album R hit stores. It has sold 6 million copies. November 2000, his album TP... Dash2.com debut at number one on the Billboard album chart. August 2001, Tracy Simpson filed a lawsuit against Kelly, alleged, alleging their sex was illegal under Illinois' law because he was in a position of authority over her. The case was reportedly settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. 
because he had the money to pay her off. February 8th, 2002, the Chicago Sun-Times reported that it received a videotape allegedly showing Kelly having a sex with a minor. The paper reported Chicago police began investigating the allegations about Kelly and the same girl three years later. At the time, the girl and her parents denied she was having sex with Kelly. They were paid off. The same day the news break, Kelly performs at the opening ceremony for the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. So all these allegations are coming out against him, but he is this popping artist. He's popular. He's platinum award. He's platinum. He's platinum selling Grammy award winning songwriter, producer, and singer. And all these allegations are coming out, but because he has the money to pay these people off, nobody looked over there. They had physical evidence, a whole tape. June 5th, 2002, Kelly's indicted in Chicago on child pornography charges stemming from the sex tape. He pleaded not guilty and is released on a $750,000 bail. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're talking about the sex tape. Okay, we're going to stop. I'm going to kind of stop at Okay. Once we get 2003s, we're going to stop and then we're going to talk about other stuff that happened recently. Okay, so in January 2003, Kelly's arrested at a Florida hotel and on additional child pornography charges after investigators say they found photos of him having sex with a girl. Charges are later dropped after the judge ruled police didn't have a warrant to search Kelly's house. That's a huge technicality. February 18, 2003, Kelly... Uh, Kelly Album Chocolate Factory's release selling 538,000 copies in its first week. We're going to stop right there. And I'll be continuing to read from the article from Independent. Um, so. I'm going to talk about this. Because he was very arrogant about this. Why are you going to release an album knowing that people are charging you for child pornography called The Chocolate Factory? Like, this is how we get in trouble when we gloat about stuff like this. Clearly, an officer saw that you had pictures of you and the underage child. The only reason why you didn't get in trouble was because you had a search warrant. Then you come out with an album called Chocolate Factory. 
the ham and cheese and egg with bacon you doing? And it's crazy because it's like, well, you're sitting in jail now. And then I don't understand it. Now, I mean, when you look at this, I don't understand the temper tantrum you had with Gail. I mean, at this point, you should be saying, well, I should have known this was going to happen. They had evidence against you. And a police officer does not let, let things go. They're resilient. They're going to make sure they get you. Regardless of their true intention, they're going to always get you. So why? Why well, come out with an album called Chocolate Factory to gloat at that? And by the way, Usher broke his record and sold 1.2 million copies from Confession. So R. Kelly broke the record first and then Usher broke the record second. Just to give you an idea of what's going on. I like little music facts and trivia. Um... Keep in mind, his last two victims he had were recently. Azriel Clary and Joycelyn Savage. But this has been going on since the 90s. With that being said, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We will continue tomorrow. We'll go into 2005 and talk about all the allegations and things that led to the case in 2021, his arrest, and his interview. Um, So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Remember... This is Lady Tiffany Ma. These walls are thin. What you do in a glass house. Y'all know the saying. What you do in the dark will come to light. Always and forever. And it comes to light in the music you do. Thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I am so outie. Low key, I'm disturbed, but I'm outie.